Craft beer friends, and welcome to another episode of Tap the Craft Podcast. I am Denny Lewis, and I'm coming to you from Boise, Idaho, and my partner in craft, head brewer, and owner of Trek Brewing in Columbus, Ohio, is John Ream. And how are you doing tonight, John? And of course, what is in your glass? Well, tonight I am drinking from Dogfish Head their 90 minute IPA. Oh, sweet. So, yeah, nice big, big IPA for a cold, cold day. So okay. it's been uh, really cold. We've had a lot of snow. Um, so getting getting some warmth back this evening. Yeah, stay warm. Stay warm. I, I mean, uh, you were talking about earlier that uh, it's it, you woke up to like, what, zero degrees, 11 degrees? Yeah, it was zero, zero. Uh, today. It was 11 when I just got back from the brewery. Okay. Um, but yeah, we've, we got a bunch of snow uh, Friday. Uh, so I spent Saturday digging out the house and some over at the brewery um and then uh, we're getting more tomorrow so oh it's gonna be awesome okay all right well hey stay warm we will we will so what are you drinking well i am gonna stay warm for you in uh, warm boise idaho it's like 55 degrees today sunny uh, beautiful day i was drinking beer out on the porch at a brewery uh, just enjoying life but uh, to help keep you warm, I'm drinking uh, a great Imperial Stout from Mother Earth called Syntax. And I've talked about this beer before. Uh, it's got a, it's like a peanut butter flavor to it. It's really well done. Uh, I, I just love this beer. And uh, that's what I'm drinking. Keeping me nice, nice. and uh, satisfied. Nice. So the peanut butter comes through nicely in, even in the uh, Imperial yeah. like, aspect of it. Yeah. I, I think, in my opinion, this is one of the best done peanut butter stouts just because it's it actually comes through subtly i mean it's not a big peanut butter like it, you know you, you taste it right away and it's like you know sticky in your mouth peanut butter it's it comes across very subtle in the finish it's not lost in that big malt uh, character that dark malt character it's 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 just perfect i really like it so i mentioned uh, earlier that it does come in 12 ounce cans you can get a six pack of this and i think a 12 i mean i think that's a nice I mean, it's nice to be able to have a 12-ounce version of it, but I like to get the Bombers, the 22-ouncers, because I want to drink 22 ounces, not 24 or 36 or whatever. I just want to drink one, one good one. <laughs> <laughs> Can't handle those extra two ounces. Yeah, yeah, that's just overboard. I don't want to, I don't want to overdo it. Yeah, it's not that crazy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, John. Well, hey, let's get this show rolling. And uh, before we do that, let's go ahead and let all of our new listeners who might be listening know what Tap to Craft is all about. We are an educational podcast. We focus around celebrating all things craft beer. We want to help our listeners along in their craft beer journey. And you are listening to episode 91. We're recording on Sunday, January 14th, 2018. And in this episode, we will be discussing barrel-aged beers with spirits style guidelines according to to the Beer Judge Certification Program 2015 style guidelines. And why are we talking about that? Because we have a listener question 
that ask about barrel aging. In fact, it's going to ask John about barrel aging in Trek Brewing. So I can't wait to talk about that and find out what John's plans are with barrel aging at Trek Brewing. And we will learn, go ahead and learn about what you can expect in the barrel age style guidelines if you're going to you know, compete in this category. And of course, you know, you can count on John and I having some great beer banter along the way. So John, let's get right into the meat of what everyone wants to know, Trek Brewing Update, and when you're going to open. Dun, 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 dun. No, I'm not going to no. tell you. Okay. Right. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we have, we've got beer in all the fermenters. Yes. So that's a good step towards that. Um, and today over at the brewery, I was harvesting yeast uh, to do our next round of, uh, of beers. So uh, these are all crashing out now. I'll be kegging them off and then refilling the fermenters. Nice. So, um, but yeah, that's the good, that's the good fun part. The rest of this isn't, isn't as fun, but it's needed. <laughs> so, uh, the tap room is almost done being painted. So okay. that's awesome. What, that's what, looking uh, good. what, what color scheme are you going inside the tap room? Uh, it is a, we've got a two tone wall okay. walls. Um, cause we've, the building has, uh, like beadboard, um, all around, uh, pretty much everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, that was all, uh, stained, uh, but we had to take some stuff out, do some repairs. And so now some of that beadboard is going to be painted. Okay. Um, and so it's, it's kind of a, a dusty gray brown type thing. <laughs> I don't dusty gray, brown, I, dusty, I dusty gray, brown, um, <laughs> For the uh, for the beadboard and nice uh, light green um, up top. Okay, that sounds good. I, I'm looking forward to the pictures <laughs> when Kristen does the update. Yeah, C- Kristen can hear me describing this right now, and she's not and, and pleased. She's with not my, pleased uh, with that description. <laughs> so <laughs> my description. Okay, so, so you want to bring yeah, her the, on? The green is wait, the wait, green you, is sage green. I'm okay, being, I'm being told. Have her have and, her uh, just talk. Bring her on. Let her talk. Yeah. And tell us. You want to just come say what it is? <laughs> Yeah, come on, Kristen. Yeah, she's laughing and denying. <laughs> See, she just she knows she can't do any better than <laughs> Dusty Gray Brown. So, but she did improve Sage Sage Green. Okay, Sage Green. That's 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 yeah. better. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, that's getting put together in a beautiful, beautiful color scheme. Um. But uh, outside of that, we've had a lot of uh, stuff break, um, which is no fun. Uh, we fired up the uh, walk-in refrigeration uh, that had been previously working, and it crapped out on us. Oh, no. All. So now we have to replace all the refrigeration on that, oh, uh, no. get it functioning again. Um, we've had some hot water heater issues that we need to get corrected so we can get, you know, everything signed off on. So that's been being worked. Um, and, uh, I think that, I think now that is complete. Uh, I think the electrician was in to do the final wiring for the new, new stuff in there. So that one I think is off our plate, hopefully for now. Um, 
but uh, yeah, a lot of no, stuff has no fun, um, especially coming into the finish line here. Yeah. Um, stuff that, you know, we, we knew the refrigeration was old, but we thought we would get at least a few years out of it um, before we had to do something. Um, you know, same with, you know, hot water and all that. Like everything in the building was aged, but you know, it was functional and, you know, you just hope to squeak out life. Um, but got burned on a couple items. So, okay. but, uh, then we're also working on the new, so, um, getting our kitchen stuff in place, uh, making sure we've got our bases covered with everything we need in there. Um, so we can get all of our licensing and permitting in place. Um, and that includes our new, our taproom equipment. Mm. Uh, so we're, we're adding a new, another walk-in, um, that'll give us additional, uh, space for serving kegs out of, um, and we're getting all the, uh, you know, taps and couplers in line and all that stuff in mm. and getting it ready to go. So we can actually, you know, pour the beer. Yeah. Yeah. Now, are so. you going to, are you going to keep, I'm, I'm assuming you're going to keep refrigeration separate from the kitchen stuff and the beer stuff. Is that correct? Uh, so we have, we're, we'll end up having three total walk-in coolers. Okay. Um, all of which are planned for beer. Oh, um, <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> so two, two of them are back in the brewery and then one new one is actually being installed in the kitchen. Okay. Um, but it's there to serve the tap room. Oh, um, we will have other small, we, we're, so we're having a very limited menu. So we don't have a lot of need for large, you know, refrigeration and freezer space, Yeah. uh, for, you know, our, our plan. So we'll have some, some smaller units to, to do that. And the plan is to keep it as separate, as separated as possible, just to keep everything neat and tidy. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, but then, uh, if, if you're paying attention to our Facebook page, you'll know that we're seeking applications. Yes. Um, for, for taproom staff and bartenders. So, uh, you know, if you're in the central higher area and you want to be part of an awesome brewery, uh, hit us up. Information's on the Facebook page. Okay. You heard it. You want to work at Trek Brewing, just check out our Facebook page or check out their Facebook page or ours because I linked to it. I shared the link. Just click it, apply, and we want all you great listeners out there to, you know, work for a great brewery. Yeah. <laughs> and we're trying to get uh, Amanda to, to move to Columbus so she can work your bar. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what we can put together. <laughs> a, good, a good package. Yeah. All right. All right. Is that it? That, that's a pretty good update, but no date. There's no uh, estimated date, anything? You think February? You roundabout? February, maybe? You know, you uh, that'd be nice. Okay. That'd be nice. Okay. <laughs> all right. I mean, the taproom is being painted. And uh, you're taking care of all the uh, the keg uh, tap line stuff to get the kegs uh, going. The kegs are getting filled here in the next few days. You're yeah, brewing. we we still need more beer. Yeah, um, we still have a few more hoops to jump through. We we're still awaiting, you know, our final like building inspections and everything. Okay, um, okay. So it's it's not completely 
in our hands yet. Uh, we still have a few hurdles that we don't control. Okay. So, okay. but we'll get there. All right. All right. Well, thank you, John, for that update. I know everyone's excited. We had a ton of listeners that have commented in various places about can't wait to come visit Trek Brewing. So you, sh- I should be buying a lot of one beer per customer beers because uh, a lot of people who are really visit, excited yeah, about so me buying step their outside beer. <laughs> and then come back in. A brand new customer in my book. So, so yeah. Hey, you know what? If we can fill up that tap room, I'll be happy. That'll be good. All right. Well, you know what? Um, I had a lot of activities go on since the last time recorded. I mean, I've been busy. Not only have I, I visited a number of breweries and I had a tasting at my house. And of course, I went on an unexpected uh, business travel last week. I literally had one day uh, notice before I had to travel to Salt Lake City. So let me talk about some of this activity that I got to enjoy. So first off, Payday Beer Club. Something that we do, we, you know, we, we started a few years ago, probably like five years ago. Every payday we'd get together with the guys and we'd go out and have beers. And it's kind of uh, turned into like, you know, not every payday. It could be like every day beer drinking, but not really every day. But, you know, we, we just go beer drinking whenever we want. But we had another Payday Beer Club uh, on the 5th, I think it was. I can't remember the date, but whatever Friday the before last. And we went to White Dog Brewing. And I think I mentioned White Dog. I think I, w- I was having trouble remembering the name when I was on the last episode. I was, think I called it White Lab or whatever, but it's White Dog. And they are one of the newest breweries to open in Boise. And I've enjoyed their beer when we went and visited when they first opened. And we went again, and I thoroughly enjoyed the beers that I had when we went and drank uh, that Friday. And I'll tell you what, I didn't expect them to have so many new beers. I thought that, you know, most breweries that open, they, they have their standard fare and they've served those all the time. And then they might rotate one, maybe two different beers in this, this one that they've got, they've upped their taps. They first had like eight taps or six, six or eight taps. And when they open and now they've got like 16, they've like doubled the number of taps and they have a ton of variety of beer. I mean, every all kinds of styles that you don't see typically at a brewery nowadays. I mean, they had a Dunkelweizen. When's the last time you saw a Dunkelweizen on a, a brewery chart, John? Have you seen a Dunkelweizen very often when you go visit breweries? No. Yeah. No. Never see that. Um, very impressed that they are really trying some different styles. And I'll tell you what, all the beers, fantastic. But let me just tell you the two. I'll tell you three. I'm going to tell you three because one is going to, is, is just ribbing you, John, uh, on our conversation last show. But the first one that I really enjoyed was a passion fruit goza. Man, I told you when I went to this brewery when they opened, the opening, one of the opening beers they had at opening was that blackberry uh, sour. And that blackberry sour was fantastic. I love that beer. They nailed another great sour with this passion fruit goza. Um, fantastic job. I gave that four and a half caps. Really good, flavorful, tart, salty, just enough tartness, just enough saltiness. Really well done. Nailed it. Um, the next one was a bourbon barrel aged scotch ale. Everyone knows, hey, I dig scotch ales. And honestly, I have not. I told myself in 2017 I wasn't going to drink any more barrel-aged stuff because 
people were doing it wrong in my book. They were making these barrel-aged bourbon and uh, barrels. They were making them too much spirit. They weren't blending well, and it was giving me just a big mouthful of bourbon. And I don't want to drink bourbon when I drink a beer. I want to taste a beer and have some of that bourbon character in there, but not overwhelm. I'll tell you yeah, what. and that's something we've talked about with a lot of different things, like fruit and other additions yeah. as well. Like it should complement, not you know, be the only thing that's there. Exactly, so. exactly. Well, guess what? These guys. I mean, again, I you know the first thing I do when I try a beer is I put it in my nose and I smell it. I smell it. And I'm like, whoo! This smells like a bourbon bomb. And then when I went to drink it, man, I did not have that bourbon bomb you know flavor like i was drinking bourbon it was scotch ale with the nice uh vanilla and oaky character that from the barrel uh it was really well done just very slight hints of that in the finish i still felt a full on scotch ale flavor well done i really enjoyed the beer four and a quarter rating that's for you wes that quarter rating i <laughs> will never forget you um I had to get props because I'm really starting to enjoy some of these barrel aged beers that aren't that, that that are blended well and they aren't just booze buckets. It's really good. And the last one I want to talk about this one had uh, this it's, it was a bourbon coffee brown ale. Okay, John, notice it's a coffee brown ale, another mm-hmm. style outside of the porter and stout. Just want to let you know that this is, you yeah, know, other stuff. You're really stepping out. <laughs> not, not a great, you know, you, you've got others in your list that are much better than than this one, approving your point. But I have, there's more, but I just, I just wanted <laughs> to add this because as we got done talking, I had three different coffee beers this week, last time we recorded that were all different styles than Porter Stout with coffee. So um, it's interesting. But here's what they did. They did that technique that we talked about when we did our coffee beer show where they take the beans and uh, and I think they took the beans green, they put them in the bourbon barrel and they aged it for um, whatever time frame. I forget the time frame they told me they aged it. Then they took the beans, they roasted the beans, then they ground the beans and then they put the beans, dry, dry beaned it or they dry beaned it, but they dry beaned it ground. They did grind the coffee. And uh, I'll tell you what, the, the coffee aroma was perfect. The coffee flavor was also very, very good, not bitter, didn't add any bittering to it. Um, I didn't get any of the bourbon character in it, though. That's the problem is I think when they ground it up or whatever, roasted it, whatever, it took away the bourbon. But what the problem I had with this beer is it was all coffee. I couldn't taste the brown. And that disturbs me. Like we just talked, you just said, John, right? It, it's a, you don't want to overdo it with anything, whether it's bourbon character, fruit characters, or even coffee. You don't, I don't want to drink a cup of coffee when I have a beer. I want to enjoy that malt flavor and then have that, that fine coffee uh, finish or, you know, flavor in there too that just gives me that hint of coffee. Um, was it a good beer? It was a good beer. I gave it three and a half cap, but I would have gave it a lot higher mark if i could have felt some of that that malt that dark malt in there get, you know give a little bit of that malty that toffee character something you know something more than just coffee um, but hey i wanted to say that it was still a great beer all right then 
as I mentioned, unexpectedly, I got asked to go to Salt Lake City this week. And so I, you know, Friday I made my arrangements to fly, and then Monday I took off and went to Salt Lake City, which isn't too bad because I got to uh, meet up with my buddy Alex. Remember I told you that Alex uh, was here in Boise working with me, and then he uh, was going back to Israel, and uh, you know now we're we're no longer together. Well, he was asked to come back and help support our account in Salt Lake City. And he was going to be there for two weeks. Well, I just happened to go there for a week. So he and I got to spend the week together after work going out and drinking beer at breweries, which was fantastic. So a couple of breweries we went to, um, I mentioned Avenues Proper in Salt Lake, downtown Salt Lake City before. I think I mentioned going there. And um, Keep in mind, all the beer served on draft at in Utah has to be under 4% alcohol by weight. So it's like what? What is that, John? Like three point eight percent, I think. Whatever. How does it translate to by uh, volume? Do you know? Is it like? I think it's like three point eight or three point seven. Yeah, I don't remember because uh, I, I just never think of it in that way. Yeah, yeah. It's really, all. it's really bizarre. <laughs> it is bizarre because I don't think about weight either. But what I, the point I want to make is, I think Utah is a state that if you want to try to appreciate brewing, for the art of brewing a beer that is low in alcohol but still has the characteristics of that style it shows what breweries are really good right that can really nail the style and maintain that session i mean every beer in utah on draft is session right it's under four percent and 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 maintain the sessionability of the beer so that's what I kind okay, of went so at. So I, yep. I found a calculator. Okay. Just so we can put a bow, bow on this. Okay. So if it's four, if it's four alcohol by weight, four mm-hmm. percent alcohol by weight, then that would be uh, five. Five percent. Um, five ABV, ABV. But if you if it's four ABV, then it's three point two alcohol by weight, which makes more sense. Okay, I think that's it. So maybe yeah. maybe you have it flipped. It's probably flipped. I know that they use the weight, but maybe it's ABV that they have on because it's four percent. Everything's four percent, but I know it's like three point two in regular. Yeah, because four four percent ABV is three point two ABW. Okay, okay. Because um, I mean, here's the other thing is I could drink a ton of this beer and I and it literally felt like I didn't drink anything. I mean it, I mean it's amazing how much you can drink and it feels like you are still sober as can be. Good or bad, I don't know, you know, I know Kevin Page would probably say what's the use? Um, you know, if you don't <laughs> get that buzz, but yeah, it's what it is. So what I use this time this week is that I say, you know what? I'm usually when I go to Utah, I go to the liquor store and buy the high alcohol bottles because you can buy um, higher alcohol beer in the liquor store. This time I said, I'm not buying any bottle. Well, I, we, we bought two bottles that were at a restaurant, but, uh, but I wasn't going to go to the liquor store and buy. I, I wanted to drink the stuff on tap and find out if I can really identify some of these breweries that can do a really good, style you know how how well they do the style and maintain that alcohol low and that's what i kind of focused on and what i found out is that breweries have an easier time of making a really good light pale beer and it could be a lager i mean i'll tell you what the lagers are fantastic they can really nail a lager um 
and they struggle with the ale, the darker ales. The stouts, porters, brown ales, I found all of them pretty much are lackluster. They don't have the body. They don't have the flavor. They're just like drinking, you know, dirty water kind of, right? It just, it, they're really lacking. But all the golden ales, the blondes, the lagers, the Hefeweizens, you know, things that are lighter in color and, and, and body, they really do a fantastic job making really clean, tasty, low-alcohol beers. And that's what I found at Avenues Proper. Um, they had this coffee pale ale. Again, it's a coffee there you go. pale. See, that's much better. See, it's a different style. <laughs> um, again, breweries are doing other styles, John. I told you that there, you know, there's more you know, coffee, coffee things. Um, really well done. Coffee in this was very delicate, not overwhelming. I still got the the maltiness uh, from the pale. I really enjoyed this beer. I only gave it a three and a half because, again, I rate by style and a pale ale is you know even though it's a session pale, uh, it's still a pale ale and it doesn't you know there's better pale ales out there. But if I were to rate a low alcohol coffee pale this is a, a really well done beer that had the pale ale style and had that coffee in there very well done the other one that that just won me over was um and this is an interesting style right john this is not a real style but um it's called the long haul trucker dark cascadian lager it's literally a dark lager with uh roasted you know roasty notes of of malt, roasty malt notes in a lager, and and it's under four percent, and it's fantastic. It had such great flavor, and I mean, I I got a, a taster of it, and then I bought a, I got a whole pint of it because I liked this beer so much. I had to have a whole glass of it. It was really well done. And John, this is something I would love to see you experiment with. I know you're not doing lagers, but when you do get to that point where you're going to start doing some lagers, um, this is something I think people can really get on board with. It is really refreshing. Have you ever had something like this, a dark Cascadian lager? No, I haven't. And so I was curious about this when I saw it on, uh, saw you post it up. So it, is this all malt or did they hop it? Like, is it like a black IPL or is it more it's, just a roasty lager? It's a roasty lager, black IPA or or I, uh, lager, whatever. It, it's it's both. It literally has some hoppy character to it, and it's okay. got the roastiness. It's both. It's it's got uh, it's like an an India pill lager with a with the the, the roasty so, notes. Yeah. So, yeah, ca- Cascadian dark lager. Yeah, Cascadian dark. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I think I may. It might be. I got the two things mixed up. Yeah, probably. I think it was Cascadian Dark Lager is what it's supposed to be. I I, I got the the name uh, mixed up. So let me fix that here in our in our notes because I don't want to have that carry on. But yeah, it was uh, Long Haul Trucker Cascadian Dark Lager. That's that's what it was called. I I really enjoyed that. I gave it four four cap rating. Uh, really enjoyable. If you're in the Salt Lake area, if you can make it to Avenues Proper Brewing. Now there's Proper Brewing which split off from Avenues Proper, and they have a different brewery. And I don't know how the two breweries are co- are connected. I know they have some of the same beer, so I think they, they both work together. Maybe our buddy John uh, Zure can, or Zur, 
I just messed up his name. But John, maybe you might know. If you know, let us know how the proper brewing and avenues proper, how that situation, uh, you know, business works. But uh, Avenues Proper is up on the hill by the hospital in Salt Lake City, and um, they brew right there on the premises. It looks like they have about a, a three-barrel system, very small system right there in the middle of the, the restaurant. Uh, kind of like what you said, John. Remember that one brewery in uh, Ohio that literally has a glass room in the middle of the brewery that, that they brew in? Yeah. That you talked <laughs> about? The same thing. This, this brewery is right in the middle of this restaurant. Yeah, hoof-hearted. Hoof-hearted, yeah. Um, but, hey, I I think anyone that's in Salt Lake should go and try this beer. It's it's really, really well done. I, I really enjoyed it. All right. I'm moving. I, I'm talking long, but I, I had a lot of activities I want to talk about. We also visited a brewery in Draper, Utah, called Garage Grill. Interesting little place. It's a, it's a, I, I, I've never been there before. It's the first time I've been there. I think they've only been open for maybe a year and a half, maybe two years. Because last time I was in Salt Lake, I didn't uh, I didn't see these guys. Um, all their beers are focused around the garage, like NASCAR, Grand Prix, you know, you know, racing type stuff. So they kind of interesting. They have a sushi bar inside their restaurant and a regular gastro pub. Amazing that they had both in one sitting, and they have beers that honestly are pretty good. Now again, I mentioned the dark lager or dark dark ales um not very good right it seems to carry on that that in in all the breweries i i visited you know stouts porters and brown ales just aren't that great they're really watery watered down and don't have uh, the you know the the body and the flavor characteristics that you expect to see from those styles that's surprising to me because they i mean the way that you mash those you would expect that they would fare better mm -hmm. as you go down you know because it you don't when you mash at that higher temperature you're leaving more residual sugars behind that the yeast can't ferment so it should give it that body but yeah yeah well for some reason they're all watery all really light light bodied but but you know what i'll tell you what there were a couple beers that were very enjoyable i had we had uh, uh eight eight samples of the beers and the, the two that I wanted to mention for anyone that's out there in the area that, that might want to try them, the Day Daytona all American IPA. Now they call it an IPA. It's a session IPA because it's 4%, right? So it's a session IPA. I'll tell you what, it's a very good session IPA had it. This one actually had decent body mouthfeel. Fantastic. Big hop, piney hop notes in the, in the aroma that carried through with a lighter uh, piney hop in the flavor. Um, really good. I gave it a four. Now, again, I'm rating this on an IPA scale. I gave it a four cap rating. That's pretty decent uh, IPA for being a low alcohol IPA. I really enjoyed that one. And then I also enjoyed the Baja Mexican Ale. Now, I was thinking that this was going to be a Mexican lager, but it's actually an ale. It's a golden ale. And it, had, it also had really good character like it had a corn corn character like you would get in a mexican lager right you had that corny that cream corn uh character in the in the the, the malt and flavor profile um really good ale i mean i really enjoyed this for a lighter ale it had great flavor and uh, i gave it uh, a 3.75 cap rating uh, on the golden ale scale 
but yeah, there's another place that you guys are. If you're in Salt Lake City, you should you should visit now. I will tell you this: we went. We were trying to go to Epic. Epic Brewing has their brewery, and then they opened back in 2015. They opened an uh, another uh, tap room, pub, and restaurant in the Sugar House lo- uh, area of Salt Lake. And we'd visit. I'd visit that place. I visited the the main brewery tap room a couple times, and I visited the Sugar House a couple times. So I went. To, we went to go to the Sugar House, and they closed down. They closed that location, so there's no restaurant anymore, and uh, in the Sugar House, and that was very concerning because um, Epic is still my favorite Utah brewery, and I was very much looking forward to going and you know drinking some more of their beer and enjoying. Uh, the environment, but I guess what happened is the Wasatch uh, Brewery opened a big facility right close by. I think it kind of uh, took away their customer base or something. I mean, I, I think it kind of hurt them. That's what I—that's a rumor I heard from the, the talk around town—is um, that maybe that big brewery, uh, you know, choked them out. So that was sad to hear that that one of my favorite places to go when I'm in Salt Lake is no longer there. All right, so then. Moving back into Boise, I had a tasting last night at my house. My buddy Alex, again, he uh, was in Salt Lake. He drove from Salt Lake to Boise on Friday. And then uh, he came here, did a lot of drinking during the day, and then came to my place, and we did some more drinking in the evening. And he brought five beers from Israel, and I brought uh, a few beers from uh, the local area. Uh, One of them, well, actually, one from Tampa. One of them is the one that uh, Chris uh, provide for me the angry chair, uh, and uh, so of the Israeli beers that we tried, pretty much all five were pretty decent beers. There was no really bad beers. And every so often you'll get you know a beer that just isn't good uh, for whatever reason you know that it just wasn't good. But all these were pretty decent. The one I wanted to mention that was my favorite of the night was the Moscow Stout. Um, that that stout was really well done. Like a it, it kind of mimicked an Irish dry, a dry Irish stout, and I, you know, I like that that style. Um, some of the guys at the table said it was too bitter in the finish, but to me, it wasn't too bitter. It did have a little bit more bitter finish than maybe people expect, but it still tasted really good. It was really dry. I think the dryness is what they were kind of saying was the bitter. Uh, sometimes I think maybe a dry stout comes across a little bit more bitter. Is that true, John? You think that maybe dry might come across bitter um or am i just full so. of crap okay no no it's okay i've been known to be full of crap before but i i don't know i didn't th- i i did sense that there was some bitterness to it but it wasn't it wasn't a negative i mean it was just it you know just felt like it had a, a finish to it right it had a nice bite finish it wasn't i and my buddy alex knows i hate beers on nitro and he told he was jokingly saying hey this would be a really good beer on nitro because it would have taken away that bitter uh, finish, right? The nitro would have softened that finish, and and he's probably right. It probably yeah. would have been really good on nitro. All right. So, um, also the other beer that was really good from Israel was Oaken Ash Bach. Now this was a Bach that was nine point eight percent. Was that right? Now I can't remember. One of them was nine point. I think it was nine point eight percent. Which is a big, that's a big lager, right? Nine point eight. Um, I'll tell you what, you could not taste the alcohol in this at all. It was a very well done box. Box 
have the op, you know, have the chance of being too boozy if they if they can't uh, soften up that alcohol sweetness. And this one just was really well done. Really enjoyed it. I think it was aged on some oak, so I think that oak character kind of subdued some of the, um, you know, maybe some of the uh, alcohol. Um, what is that called when you have the alcohol uh, flavor, John? That you always say the. Uh, what well, alcohol usually to me it comes across sweet. Sweet. Yeah. Um, there, there was another name that you used to you use with alcohol, uh, but I can't think of it. Don't worry, we'll just move on. I'm not going to worry about it at I'm, all. Yeah, I'm not going to worry about it either. But uh, but I'm really good. At seven and a half. What's that? I'm seeing this one listed at a seven and a half. Okay, so that was a seven and a half. And we had another one that was nine. Okay, so that was seven and a half. We had another one that was 9.8. And I think the 9.8 one was not so good, but it still was not bad. Okay. And then, um, again, I, we finished off the night drinking the Angry Chair Russian Interference, Russian Imperial Stout uh, that Chris McKenzie uh, sent my way. And this is a 25-ounce bottle, right? 750 milliliters. And this is the first Angry Chair beer I ever had. And you know how you know Chris always jokes about the sign that's in the back of the brewery that says diabetes? Yes, diabetes is correct. This, You put this beer up to your nose. You smell it. What do you smell? You smell like it smells like Kahlua. Like you're drinking like Kahlua. I'm like, ooh, that's really strong and sweet. You smell the sweetness on it. But once you put it in your mouth and you start to drink it, it's very viscous, very heavy. But it, the sweetness is more of a richness. It, it, it turns into a rich flavor of like drinking a decadent chocolate syrup with some cinnamon and some pecans ground up in there. Uh, really, really nice. It's 10.5% alcohol you don't taste any of the alcohol which is shocking for a beer that comes across like it should be really sweet and really alcoholic um, it's not it's really good but i could not drink there's no way in hell i could drink that whole 750 by myself we shared it with four people and it was still hard for us to drink the amount we had to drink with four people no i mean if you have that kind of attitude, you're never going to get through it. No. Well, John, tell me if you could, <laughs> it'd be, I'd be shocked if you could drink at 750 milliliter of this beer. It is really rich, really rich. I mean, you could, it's just, you might not be happy after you get done drinking it because you're going to feel pretty, uh, yeah, pretty wasted, but Hey, it was a great beer. And Alex, uh, he sent a voicemail. We'll listen to a little bit. Um, about how much he appreciated having this beer too. So thank you, Chris. We all enjoyed it. And I'm glad I had four other guys to share it with because it's a big, big, rich beer for sure. All right, moving on to today's actions. I've been busy, right? I told you guys I've been a drinking fool in the last two weeks. Today, again, buddy Alex was getting ready to drive back to Salt Lake City from Boise. Um, He wanted to meet up, and we met up at Bella Brewing in uh, in Garden City, and we had some beers. And I'll tell you what, they have a really, really good German alt beer, uh, alt beer called Walt. And uh, I'll tell you what, I this beer tasted to me. It tasted like it was kind of a Scottish ale. Um, 
it, you know, it had that malt character, a little bit of sweetness, but it wasn't overly sweet. Finished really nice. Uh, again, it was like a 7% beer that didn't taste 7%. A beer that I think you can enjoy all year round. I, I, it's not too heavy um, for summertime, and it's not too light for wintertime. It's like right in between, like a real good medium overall beer that, that just tastes good and has uh, not too sweet. Not too dry, not hoppy. I mean, just nice malty beer. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed that one. So, all my friends here in the Boise area, go check out B- Bella Brewing and, and get the Walt. And I also had the Macaulay Wood Porter, fantastic porter. Just a really well done porter. I gave both those beers four caps. All right, and then last we we couldn't stop at just visiting Bella. We went to Merriweather Cider right down the street from Bella. And uh, I just want to mention one cider that I really enjoyed there. It's called the American Apple Pie. And I'll tell you what, it tastes just like you're drinking a liquid apple pie. Cinnamon, apples, uh, kind of like even the the crust kind of comes through in this apple cider. Really well done. Uh, Really enjoyed it. So again, Meriwether also just announced that they're going to be opening a cider house in downtown Boise to go along with their tap room that's going to be that's in Garden City currently they'll still continue to do their cider in the tap room in uh, Garden City but they will be opening a tap or a cider house that will be featuring not only their own ciders but they'll be bringing ciders in from out of the state to showcase different real high quality ciders in a downtown area. So I'm really excited about that. That's great news that they're doing uh, so well that they can open another location. All right, John, how about you? Sorry I took up all this time, but so, uh, did you I'm do anything talk? Fun? Yeah, you Is can talk okay? now. Yeah, yeah. All right. <clears throat> awesome. Uh, yeah, I did I did do something fun. Now, it was beer-related and podcast-related. Oh. Um, I, I did some research for the podcast uh, at Combustion Brewing's uh, New Year's Eve event to find out that Russ is real. <laughs> I did. I uh, yeah, hung out with Russ. Okay. Um, so Chris and I went with our friends, Russ and Katie, <laughs> uh, the real people. Um, and I had a nice New Year's Eve uh, over there. Uh, they had opened up their new event space um, at Combustion like two months ago. And so they they held a New Year's Eve party in their in their new space. Uh, so you get some drinks, uh, some food, dancing. Um, it's a good time. Um, and uh, I'll highlight one one of the beers they did. Uh, I think like three beers that were like special release for the event. Um, I think they maybe debuted at the event, um, but the. The one that was the runaway win, like favorite of everybody, uh, was the Imperial Breakfast Stout, Ooh. Uh, which was just very smooth, um, huge chocolate flavor. Uh, it, was, it was really nice. Um, then I, I actually did a couple of those, and usually I kind of bounce <laughs> from beer to beer. And uh, so I was like, yeah, I'll, I'm going to stick with that because it was really good. So Nice. Um but yeah, we had a good time, and Russ is real. So. Okay, and you posted a picture, but I don't know. You guys were wearing masks. I couldn't tell which was you and which was Russ, so I don't know if Russ is real. Well, I guess we'll have to do some more research. Then. <laughs> that sounds good. All right, John, how about some additional noteworthy beers you might want to talk about real quick? 
All right. So uh, in addition, uh, so I've, I've had these Black Butte anniversary beers sitting oh, yeah. in, in my cellar for a really long time. Oh, yum. Uh, really long. Concern, uh, one of them was the 24. So, um, but they've been sitting around. We've tried to arrange a few verticals that, with some folks that had other beers that could kind of fill in the gaps, <clears throat> Rob. <clears throat> uh, but they... They backed out and didn't want to didn't want to do it. <laughs> so um, you had to sacrifice. We, so after after months of waiting, uh, Kristen and I um, decided, you know what, we're going to do this. Uh, we've been uh, working some crazy hours with the brewery and her work and everything, and like we just needed to carve out some time for just the two of us. So let's just drink these beers. And, uh, so we put out a nice spread, uh, did these beers in a movie. It was awesome. So we had the black bean anniversary, 24, 26 and 29. Oh, the new one. Oh, nice. Um, and, uh, so yeah, if you remember, I, I had mentioned that she had picked up the 29 mm-hmm. that was during the advent calendar, but not part of the advent calendar. Yeah. So, we ad- we added that to the collection, um, and uh, I they they were all they were all good beers. I'll say that I the uh, the twenty six uh, came across sweet to me. Um, it had been done with fruit, uh, and I think aging out, it just continued to get sweeter. And uh, for me, that that was my that was my third place. Uh, still podium, you okay. know, but, uh, that was my third place, but <laughs> the, uh, the 29, uh, was my favorite of, of the group oh. all by the 24. Um, and that was close. I, I did a lot of back and forth between the two of those to figure out. And, uh, I think the, the 29 just had a little, little extra oomph to it that I, that I enjoyed. Um, but, uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't realize that traditionally this beer had like, uh, chilies in it, um, because it, there was a big deal made about the twenty six being like that they departed from the chilies um, when I was doing when we were looking up the beers as we were drinking them. Um, so that was well, that's new to me. Yeah, that's so. wait, that's new to me too. I haven't had any Black Butte orders with chilies. <clears throat> which which one do they say they had chilies? Uh, well, I think this year's listed chilies on it, and I believe the twenty four oh. did as well. And so, okay. but the, when I was looking up the 26, it's, it's a, it, there was some kind of comment about a departure from having okay. the chili. So, wow, that's interesting. Yeah. I, I get, as you know, I get these every year and I love them and I haven't tried the 29 yet. I have a bottle in my fridge. What do you think, John? Should I, should I drink it now or should I let it age? What do you recommend? I, well, it was drinking pretty nice. I can't speak to a year from now. Okay. So, so maybe I'll pop that open. And I'll give you yeah, my. But I mean, I also was uh, going back and forth with that in the twenty four, you know. So that that was five years ago. Yeah, you know. So who knows? Maybe you could still enjoy it, or enjoy it more, or go find another one. Do both. <laughs> yeah. So I'm looking up my uh, my twenty six, and it says I aged it for six months after my last tasting. So I I had two tastings here. Um. There had there was pomegranate in that one. I don't think I like this one as much either. I only gave it a four cap rating. Normally I give this a five. Um, oh, you know what though? I gave the original a five. 
aged a oh wait, aged a year and aged six months. Twenty sixty. Well, wow. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. I'm just trying to figure right. out which ones uh, <laughs> that you had and I had. So. 24, 24, because I'm trying to think of the one that I, that I really enjoyed the most. Oh, wait, 24, I give a five. So if you give them all fives, you're not going to know which one you like the most. Yeah, so. yeah, okay. All right, so. <laughs> all right, well, now I need to drink the 29, but I need to wait until Sarah can drink it with me. She's on some medication right now. She can't have any alcohol for the entire month of January. So I'll wait until February, and then I will try that beer so she can enjoy it with me. That sounds like a plan. So, uh, in addition, I mentioned, uh, last time that I had a visit from the beer fairy, got a bunch of new England IPAs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, I've since depleted my stock. Um, and, uh, last one I'll talk about until the next visit from the beer fairy <laughs> is, uh, Aslan's, uh, sensei, ah. uh, double dry hopped. Nice. Uh, which was very nice. Uh, and uh, Aslan has been hit and miss for me in these beers. And I don't know if, you know, they just, they're very fickle and, you know, the clock is short. If you don't hit it just right, you're, mm-hmm. you miss out or, or what. But this one I really enjoyed. And I, it, it kind of, it was, it, the reason it was one of the last ones there is because I had been looking at it like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'd been burned by, you know, a couple of these in the past uh but this one paid off so um yeah i enjoyed that one and it renewed my my faith or interest in in this one to, to try it again next time they come around so for for these aspen beers okay but uh yeah the last one i'll mention uh was the beer i had before we went to, to uh combustion's new year's eve and that's the uh stone brewing dr frankenstone's monster ipa all right. Uh, just, just very nice, uh, nice, clean, um, easy, easy drinking, like seven and a half percent. To to put it one way, um, but uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed that beer a lot. So um, it, it was, it was nice, and I hadn't, I hadn't had Stone in a while, yeah. which was kind of weird. Um, it's not weird, not weird at all. Well, you know, it seemed like at least in in Seattle, I at least pick up you know different variety packs or other things mm-hmm. that were available. And out out here, I'm not seeing those same types of packs. I mean, we still have Stone, you know, stock of the shelves and plenty of options, but it is not not the same mm-hmm. uh, not the same amounts, I guess. So it was a I don't know a little bit of a blast of the past, so to speak, for a new beer that I never had before. Well, and so. and I yeah, and the thing is, is Stone used to be a go-to for me. Anything they did, I'd enjoy. But honestly, in the last two years, I've been burnt by so many eight-dollar bombers of Stone beer that just is crap, in my opinion. And if they've, they've kind of, it, it's got to a point where I don't even if I see a Stone beer. I'm hesitant to want to buy it now because I just don't think that they're uh, producing quality beer as they were once in the past, right? They, I don't, I don't know. They're, they're just, they're just not hitting it for me, and so I've been staying away. But John, since you gave this Doctor Frankenstone's Monster IPA a, a noteworthy tag, I will 
have to pick it up and try it just to see if uh, if I agree. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it, and I don't know. I haven't experienced what you've experienced with them. Uh, I think part of my falling out with them lately is just because I'm in back location. in Ohio and yeah. trying all these other beers that I absolutely had no access yeah. to. Yeah, true. So, um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed them. Okay, good. So, so how about you? What are your noteworthy beers? I have a few. They're all in a similar. I mean, you'll notice that all of them are Belgian beers. And I've already mentioned a number of beers that I enjoyed throughout the last couple of weeks. But these are the three beers that were above and beyond. And they happen to all be Belgian beers. And two of them are Belgian quads. The first one is from Deschutes. And this is the Stoic Belgian quad. Uh, 2015 is uh, this one. And I just broke it open for the first time last week. And I really enjoyed it. Uh, great, great Belgian character, great barrel character. Um, just an overall smooth, warm, not boozy quad, Belgian quad. Uh, I gave it a four and a half cap rating um, really well. It, it ages well, too. It really did a, a fantastic job. Um, the next one, different brewery from a different region of the United States from Boulevard. It's the Bourbon Barrel Quad. And this comes in now the 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 Stoic from Deschutes was in a 22 ounce bottle. This bottle is one of those little small, like 16 ounce or maybe 13 ounce bottles, a really small uh, bottle. And this is uh, I was worried about this because you know I've been concerned about barrel bourbon barrel aging stuff, but I saw some of my friends had really enjoyed it, so I I gave it a shot. And it's not a, a cheap beer, you know. These are kind of expensive beers. Uh, I grabbed it, and I tell you what, I fell in love with this beer. The bourbon character, big on the nose. Again, I don't mind having a big bourbon aroma as long as it doesn't carry into the flavor and take over the beer. And guess what? They blended this beer perfect because it just had the big bourbon aroma and subtle notes of, the the, the again, the um, vanilla and the oak. Uh, character in the beer, just subtle notes of it, not overwhelming. Uh, the the quad came out very nice. Uh, well done beer. I recommend anyone that wants to try a Belgian quad. It's a small sample size. You don't have to have too much of it, and it's really well done. So the Boulevard Bourbon Barrel Quad. And the last one was one I had, one of the few bottles I had in Utah last week. And this is Epic's Brainless Belgian-style Golden Ale. And this is one of the brainless beers I hadn't had before. I've had everything else before, but this one I never had, and they had it at a restaurant that we were eating at. And so my buddy Alex and I split a bottle, which is good because after drinking all those lower-alcohol beers and didn't feel it, um, we felt it right away after drinking this one. It's like a 8.3% beer. And after drinking uh, half a bottle of this, you feel that right away, but again, really well done Belgian characteristics. You know, a little bit of cloviness, uh, maybe a little bit of not even maybe a subtle bubble gum, but not heavy bubble gum. Just a light Belgian yeast character, uh, dainty, dry, really dry, uh, very taste, uh, really enjoyable golden ale. Uh, you you cannot tell that there's eight percent alcohol in it at all. It goes down really really nice and really dry. It's a really dry 
uh, beer. So those are the nice. three beers. Yeah, have you yeah, had the I, golden ale? I haven't had the just straight brainless. Um, I've had you know some of the fruited versions. Okay, but and I almost had one of those tonight actually for the oh. show. Oh. Um, because I think I had mentioned to you before, not on the show though, that uh, I had found an old uh, brainless on raspberries mm. in my my parents' fridge that's been, just been sitting there. That's and right. I, that's right. It was like five years old. Um, and uh, when last time we were out there, it was sent home with me. So oh. I'll be cracking into that at some point, and I'll be, report on how it's how it's aged. All right. Well, I look so. forward to that. I'm sure it aged well. Um, those are great beers. I do like to bring this, bring this beers. All right. Well, guess what, John? We had two voicemails left from this last uh, two weeks. Let's get into the voicemail. The first one is from our buddy Jason Lacey, and let's hear what he has to say. Hey, Denny, John, and Chris. It's a member of the Tap Craft family, Jason Lacey. I figured I'd uh, take a little break at work, give you guys a little voicemail, populate the airwaves, share my love of the podcast with all the other listeners. Guys, I am I am IPA'd out right now. I've had way too much pale ale and lager, and I'm all about the stouts right now, especially uh, the freezing temperatures we've had here in the, the Michigan and northeast part of the United States. So it's been been great. I definitely need some more winter warmers in my life, however. So that's been that's been one problem. I'm uh, guys. I'm about to embark on the the uncharted territory of beer trades. Uh, awesome guy I've connected with uh, throughout the internet sent me some beers from uh, the New York area. So I've been enjoying those, and I'm about to reciprocate, get some out his way. So I'm finally I'm finally take the plunge after so much debate and uh, worrying about it for all this time. So I'll keep you guys updated on how that goes. Hopefully uh, everything makes it there safely. Uh, hope to get that shipped out ten in the next couple weeks. But hey, hope you guys are doing great. And as always, love listening to the episode. Keep them coming. And uh, yeah, cheers for me. See you guys. All right. Well, thank you, Jason. It sounds like you are like me that you have just had a little bit too much hops lately, and you want to just dive right into those nice winter warmers, those stouts, things that can warm those bones in the cold Michigan nights. So enjoy that, and you know what? It is scary to start doing some beer trays because you never know. You don't want to send a beer that's not appreciated. You don't want to have send beer that gets damaged, and uh, it's you know it's it's a it's a definitely a little scary, but uh, you'll do fine. You'll do fine. Uh, let us know how the first beer trade goes, and uh, John, how about you? Yeah, well, have you done any we'll beer get, training? Uh, no. Okay. No, I haven't. Um, only with like you. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we'll hopefully we'll get some feedback, and you know, our, our Wellsboro correspondent will uh, chime in when yeah. he gets back. So yeah, yeah, we have you know, you know, Jason, Chris is an expert at uh, beer trades. So if you have any questions, concerns, hit him up on Facebook. Most likely, Facebook is the easiest way for you to hit him up. Uh, and, and, and get all your answers or questions answered for sure. He's, he's the man. All right. Thank you, Jason. We appreciate the voicemail. And again, anyone doesn't know, Jason does his own YouTube show called Battle of the Beer with his buddy Lucas Rose. Um, go check it out, Battle of the Beer on YouTube. It's a great little show. They have uh, small segments 
that's uh, easy to listen to in five, ten minutes. Check it out. All right. And the next uh, voicemail comes from my buddy Alex. You've heard me talk about Alex all the time. Guess what? Now you're going to hear his voice on the show. So let's hear what Alex has to say. Hi, Tab the Craft. This is Alex. First of all, I wanted to say huge thank you for your show. You're doing an awesome job and uh, making my life much easier in the commute in Israel when I'm going one hour each way uh, for work. So thank you very much, and I always enjoy every episode that you make. And also I wanted to say thank you for the great beer that Danny brought last night, the Russian interference. So thank you very much. An awesome Russian imperial stout, very balanced. Um, I loved it, so please bring more of it. And I'm looking forward to meeting you in track brewing, especially since it will be on Danny's expense. So uh, looking forward for that. Thank you very much. All right. Well, thank you, Alex, for that voicemail. We really appreciate it. And I'm glad that you enjoyed the Angry Chair Russian Interference Russian Imperial Stout. And you can thank Chris for that. And uh, I'm glad to share it. Uh, We had a great time, a lot of good beer drinking, a lot of good laughs and fun last night and yeah. Um, yeah. I, I also look forward to meeting you at denny's expense yes so yeah of course it's yeah gonna be, it'd be great yeah so when uh, john when i come and visit uh, trek brewing and it will be this summer because that's uh, well, we haven't officially announced it but i am planning on coming in the summer so prepare for me and alex because i think alex is going to try to come the same time i come we're going to just wreck house at Trek Brewing. You better have enough beer Great. for us. No, I'll probably have some practice throwing people out before then. So <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. Well, you know what? It's nice that Alex is actually finally listening to our show. Um, and the reason why is because he drives an hour back and forth from work uh, every day when he's back in Israel because he lives in Beersheba. Beersheba is about an hour drive from Rehovot, where our headquarters is located. So um, now he's going to be listening to every show. He's going to get our backlog. He's going to listen to all 91 episodes, and we're going to hear all kinds of comments and questions from him, I'm sure. Okay, well, thank you, Alex and Jason, for your voicemails. We really appreciate it. And if anyone else wants to get their voice on a show, it's very easy. You can do it just like... Alex and Jason did, you can call our voicemail number at 208-536-3359 or if it's easy for you to remember, 208-53-ODDLY. That's very easy. So leave your voicemails and you'll be on the air. We had some other feedback uh, on Twitter and Facebook and I'm going to start off with our friend Kyle at Kyle in Ohio. He commented on Twitter in episode 90 you joked a little about black IPAs. <laughs> don't we always? Why is black IPAs always a joke on the show? We love black IPAs. I don't know why it's a joke. Maybe I'm in the minority, but I definitely enjoy Uinta Brewing's Doobie Imperial Black IPA. I've been working through a case my brother gave me a couple weeks ago. And you know what, Kyle? You are absolutely correct that the Doobie is a fantastic beer and i also enjoy that beer and i enjoy black ipa so don't even though we joke around about it a lot um i'm a big fan so john how about you have you had the doobie before and do you like black ipas yes and yes okay all right 
There you go, Kyle. Thank you for your feedback. And uh, Mark Connor posted uh, on our episode 90 post on Facebook, said, just finished listening, another great episode. That's how you start 2018. Great conversation and great beer. Hey, yeah, we nailed it, huh, Sean? That's great. We nailed it. Apparently. Yeah. Yeah. Feels good. Yeah, yeah. And you were just, uh, I mean, during that show, you were just like, you know, saying no to everything. So obviously, yeah, I was, I was in a <laughs> you were very negative, negative. Space, apparently. Yeah, negative space. I I listened to it today, and then I was like, you know, I was negative, but I was right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's move on to Brad Fatler <laughs> at the uh, PK the Buckeye mentioned on Twitter. I know Wolf's Ridge has a mainstay coffee cream ale, which I like a lot. Daybreak. What's that? There. Daybreak, I believe is what it's called. It's called Daybreak? Okay. Other than all I know in Ohio is some one-offs that Mad Tree has done. I would love to see more of these interesting uses of coffee in the local market. So, John, he's calling out to you to make some different beer styles using coffee. What do you say? Okay. I would, but then you'd rub it in my face. So no, no, no. You need to. Just to spite everyone. I want, no. I want to see you do no. a Scottish hell. A Scottish... <laughs> A Scotch ale with coffee. Scottish ale. <laughs> no, because another listener, uh, Skinny Matt, he posted a picture of a New York beer. I forget the the company or the brewery, but it was a it was a coffee Scotch ale. All right. Serious cereal cereal well, man. The the gallon's been thrown. Yeah. So yeah, we'll, we'll have to see. Yeah, do it. I want to see a coffee. I want you. I want to see something unique from you. A coffee Kolsch, that would be awesome. I think coffee Kolsch. Rubens did that. Yeah, did they? So yeah, yeah, they're, they're Kenya Kolsch. Yeah, I've really had good. that. Actually, I've had that. Yeah, so you should do the 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 Columbus Kolsch, and then um, <laughs> <laughs> or the Columbia Kolsch, whatever coffee you use. Use yeah. some local roasted coffee. I'm sure Columbus has a local roastery, right? Yep. Yeah. Get in business with them, work out a collaboration, and make your own Kolsch, coffee Kolsch, or Scotch ale, or lager. I mean, you're not doing yeah, lagers. Yeah. We can't do that. Coffee Kolsch Scotch hybrid. Yeah. Just, you know, really take it to another level. Yeah. It'd be great. It'd be great. All right. And uh, Craft Beer Joe, at Craft Beer Joe, uh, mentioned on Twitter, uh, great last episode of 2017. I agree that the sour IPA prediction is a long shot. Uh, however, it would have a better chance with better marketing. Brewers should call it a tart IPA and emphasize the tart fruit flavors. So that would help this style along quite a bit. What do you think, John? Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I, that could could work, uh, especially with things like grapefruit that tends to give you a bit of that bitter tartness mm-hmm. uh, on its own. Um, but I, I, I think, and I. I can't remember if we mentioned this, even though I just listened to it before. I think, you know, the these juicy IPAs have a chance of kind of sparking this re- or reigniting this uh, this prediction. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because I, I think that, that they, they don't have a lot of bitterness, which is one of the things that can really hamper the sour IPAs, in my opinion, yeah. as well. Yeah, um, So... That's one way to, to do it. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Going tart is another another way to go. But 
uh, I don't know. In, in the same sense, I think sour beer has carved out its own niche. So people know what what it is, what to expect. Um, I don't think sour is a is a bad term anymore. Yeah, yeah. I um, you know, craft Joe, craft beer Joe, and I went back and forth, you know, chatting on this uh, this Twitter feed. Um, and after I started thinking about it, and what you said is exactly what I was thinking in my in the back of my head. Is they need to incorporate the New England IPA, um, you know, tropical fruit with a little bit of tartness and make it like a sweet tart IPA. I think that characteristic for me would work. But like you mentioned, the IPAs that have that sour and then bitter finish just don't do it for me. And we both agreed that we neither of us, we both of us thought that that epic sour ipa had a weird finish to it that just didn't agree with us and they, they need to fix that right you need to have it so it's a it's a smooth as smooth as possible transition from the from the sour to the ipa you know and i think you're right the the new england style sweet sweeter ipa or softer ipa with the a tartness into it like a sweet tart i think that would work in my opinion i think that might be the thing and and he's right they need to market it better. Don't call it a sour IPA. Call it a tart, or call it a, uh, you know, something that's that's not so negative connotation. You know, sour. Nobody wants a sour beer. That, you know, if you're drinking, people that don't. Uh, I disagree with that. I don't think sour is negative anymore. So I don't know. I think I think some. I think the un the the people that aren't into beer like we are, when they hear the word sour, it turns them off right away. They don't want to even touch it. I have so many yeah, friends that I, say sour, and they say, nope, I don't want it. I don't like sour. I'm like, well, try it. You have a sip of mine, right? But they're so against it, they don't even want to try it. They don't even want to try the sour. Yeah, but I would say that 95% of sours are made for a very specific audience that has decided that this is what they want. So. Yeah, okay, and that audience is what, 5% of the beer drinkers? But that's fine if you can charge you know, three times as much for it. So. <laughs> Nobody cares. <laughs> okay. So we haven't talked about this, John. Are you planning on doing sour beers, Gozes or Sours, Kellogg Sours or Berliner Weisses or anything? What, are you planning on doing any of these eventually? Uh, eventually, yeah. We'll probably dip it into the Kettle Sours um, and not, not so much some of the longer aging things. Uh, okay. At least, at least that's the current plan. Uh, we'll see how things go. Okay. So, all right. Well, I hope they go well. But again, keep in mind you're only going to be appeasing those five percent beer drinkers. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to gouge them. You're going to gouge them ten dollars <laughs> a glass. <laughs> all right. Now, my buddy Alex Fuchs also he commented on our episode eighty nine Facebook post. This is going back two episodes ago. He says, "Thank you very much, Denny, for all the mentions in the episode. This and and the others. You guys are awesome." And definitely make my new one-hour commute to work much better. So please keep up the great work. I'm looking forward to having a beer with all of you in Israel, Boise, and or Trek Brewing on Denny's expense. So yes, even my buddy Alex is looking for me to pay for his beer. Better <laughs> beer, so you know. Yeah, yeah. Make sure you keep that uh, limit up on your credit card. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, I'll send you the numbers. Uh, of course, my credit card expires this month, so I'll send you 
Yeah, I'll wait till a new one. <laughs> so, uh, our buddy Matt Helmer at Devious Mr. Matt of the uh, Bad Fodder Figure podcast uh, mentioned on Twitter, catching up on Tap the Craft, and I can't wait to get my free beer at Trek Brewing <laughs> that Loose Screw will be buying me and Barb when they open when I mention the podcast. <laughs> And then uh, Jay Morse at Maniac17 replied, uh, I thought the same thing, but with the plane ticket, car rental, and hotel, this is going to be an expensive free beer. <laughs> I, think, I think you can invoice Danny for all that, and it's covered as part of that first beer. So just go ahead. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I got money just flying out my ears. So, yeah, just go ahead and expense it. Uh, yeah. Just uh, yeah, submit all your receipts, and <laughs> it'll be a quick turnaround, I promise. He'll get right to it. Yeah, yeah. There's like I said, there's a lot of interaction with the free beer, and uh, hey, if it brings you to Trek Brewing, then I'm more than willing to pay for one beer for you and your wife. Find ticket and hotel. (laughs) Don't bring a bus full of people. I'm not paying for your kids' beer. Uh, Okay. Well, thank you guys for all those great feedback. We did have a listener question, as I mentioned early in the show. It kind of led to our topic of the night. This is, again, from my buddy Alex Fuchs. He commented and asked a question from our episode 90 Facebook post. Thank you very much for another great episode. With all the talking about the barrel-aged beers in this and the previous episode, I'm wondering how complicated is it to start a barrel-aging program for a new brewery? From the very limited reading I have done on this topic, it seems pretty complicated, complicated and requires... Very precise planning and timing. Are there any plans for barrel aging in Trek Brewing? Thanks again. So, John, this is aimed right at you. So, why don't you answer Alex's questions? All right. So, uh, in terms of how complicated is it to start a barrel aging program for a new brewery, it depends. Um, It's pretty much how as complicated as you want to make it. Um, And really, the larger the scale, the more complicated it becomes. uh, you know, we we'll probably be well. Our plan is to uh, get into it. It's not going to be a uh, a huge thing. We'll have a handful of barrels probably for a you know one time release that we won't be uh, you know trying to cultivate a continuing you know program type thing. And you know, with a handful of barrels, it's not hard to keep track of everything. And you know and do that but as as you grow that up uh becomes very difficult um and there's a lot of factors that can go into it um when you start getting a large number of barrels uh you need to be tracking them all how they're tasting Mm -hmm. um temperature becomes a an issue Mm -hmm. and when you have that many uh you have to start you know thinking about rotating barrels from top to bottom and and that kind of thing because the barrels at the top are going to be hotter than the barrels at the bottom. Um, and, uh, you know, just tracking everything as, as it moves through uh, becomes a lot more more difficult than when you just have, like, four or five sitting uh, on the wall. So um, it, it doesn't have to be complicated if you're just, you know, kind of dabbling for, you know, say you want to just barrelage your, your stout or something once a year. That's not a big deal. Um but if you're trying to have year-round, you know, barrel releases, say quarterly or something like that, well, it starts to become a lot more that you have to manage. Mm-hmm. Um, so it can 
can be difficult, but there's, I know there's software out there to help with it. Um, some folks have some very elaborate spreadsheets and, and things. So there are ways to help manage. And a lot of places when they, they get going, like they have staff that all they're there to do is track all their barrels. And that, you know, includes tasting and, you know, rotating and testing and all that. So, so, so that's where it becomes the complicated part, right? Because right. you put the beer into the barrel the first time and then you taste it in as it's going, you know, as it's aging in the barrel, you know, every day or whatever time frame you, you want to eat, you check it. And you come up with a, a character that you're looking for for that beer. Now that the character is correct or the character is correct for what you want to blend with another beer, you want to take the base beer and then blend, you know, this barrel with half of the other thing and you you get what you get now the barrel's empty you're going to put a second beer beer in how i mean how do you know what the character is going to be when you put the next beer in the barrel because it may be similar to what you had the first time or it may be different because it you know it's it's been subjected to another beer and now a character of that barrel's changed it i mean is there any uh I mean, I know you've had limited experience with your small barrel you did. Did you notice differences in the different batches you brewed and put in the barrel over time? Did it change the, the character? Um, I think when you have a clean clean barrel, being not soured, mm-hmm. uh, what you can expect is just a lesser impact, up, up impact. of the okay. same kind of character. Um, and, you know, you can age longer to get you know, some of the same level of, yeah. of character to it. Uh, but you'll also be interested in introducing more oxidation and that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think where you get a lot more of the change, the, the changing character is when you've soured a barrel. And okay. once you sour a barrel, there's no going back from that. Okay. You can't unsour a barrel, uh, just cause it gets into the wood yeah. and it'll, it's just always there. Okay. Uh, so, so, okay. So now, um, what plans, have you have you have you purchased any barrels yet? And if if so, if not, what are your plans on types of barrels that you're planning on purchasing and using in your beer? Uh, we have not purchased anything yet. Um, okay. And uh, for what we would start out with, we would be looking at bourbon or whiskey, um, something like that, and probably going back to uh, our imperial stout or or Porter okay, like that, uh, that we've played with in the past. Um, but who knows, maybe we'll brew a beer and think, wow, this would be awesome with, you know, X, Y, Z barrel and go, go find it and just make it happen. Okay. Okay. um, Are there local distilleries that you would be, uh, looking to try to get barrels from or is, I mean, what's your plans on trying to find these barrels? Uh, there are some locals. I, I don't. I haven't uh, done the research to figure out, you know, what they make available, um, or if you know they already have existing, you know, arrangements that folks will, will take it. So, um, but there are barrel brokers. There are avenues of getting barrels. So, uh, yeah. But just once we decide to go down that route, I'll find the barrels. So. Okay, well, I'm shocked that you haven't already got a barrel because from personal experience, that bourbon barrel aged Russian Imperial Stout that we had was fantastic. So 
I think that people would really enjoy a beer <laughs> like that. So you need to make it a priority to try to find at least one barrel that you can use for a special beer that you can charge an up, you know, an up rate for uh, for, for yeah. drinking. No, we'll get there. Okay. No, don't worry about it. All right. Well, thank you, John, for sharing your uh, insight on uh, on barrel aging. I know it is complicated, and I'm, I'm hoping that as we continue along in the Trek beer journey, or Trek brewing journey, that you'll be able to speak more about the trials and tribulations of this type of stuff, and, and we can have a whole segment on lessons learned on barrel aging of different beers and, and answer Alex's question a little bit more detail when you have you know, of course, more experience in managing your barrel system for sure. All right. Well, hey, if you want to be like all of our great listeners out there and add comments, feedback, questions to the show, you can do that very easily. Just do it through email at taptocraft@gmail.com or Twitter at taptocraft. And of course, feel free to follow us and write your comments on Facebook at facebook.com slash tap the craft and again don't forget we do have a voicemail number you can call 208-536-3359 or 208-53-ODDLY to leave feedback questions and have your voice heard on the show and of course the number can be found in the episode description for easy access while you're listening just hit the little uh, information button and highlight our telephone number and then hit call and just leave your voicemail as you're listening. It's fantastic. And, of course, we want to thank Open Forum Real Network for supporting the show and providing the hosting space at openforumreal.com. And if you enjoy the content that John and I put out, we know you will enjoy some other great content like the following. Thank you so much for listening to Tap the Craft with Denny, John, and Chris. Hey, and if you want to check out more great podcasts, check out the Open Forum Radio Network over at openformradio.com. We have such podcasts such as Open Forum Radio Proper, Facetious, Geeks for the Win, Gamer Husbands Radio, The OMG Hour, Gaming Vessels, Slash Attainment, and Conspiracy Otter. Hey, thank you so much for checking out Tap the Craft today, and please leave these fellas a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to this great show. Hey, thanks again for listening. All right, now it's time for the Brew Buzz segment, and the Brew Buzz is devoted to discussing various beer-related topics, and this week we are going to discuss barrel-aged beers with spirits style guidelines according to the Beer Judge Certification Program 2015 style guidelines. This topic was kind of inspired by our, my buddy Alex asking about barrel-aging beers, and I thought, you know what, we talk about barrel-aging beers all the time, but we haven't really discussed what the style characteristics of that type of beer is supposed to be. So I thought this is a good opportunity to highlight barrel aging beers. So the category in the BJCP guidelines is under the wood beer category, and the subcategory is specialty wood-aged beers. And these are styles that are intended for beer aged in wood with added alcohol character from previous use of the barrel. Bourbon barrel or other similar beers should be entered into this category. So as we already mentioned, bourbon is the, is the one you see the most, but I think I'm enjoying a lot of the whiskey barrel age stuff more than the bourbon uh, myself. I really like the whiskey ones. And we've seen stuff with rum and gin and tequila, port, wine, different wine barrels. There's all kinds of different barrels you can use that can give you unique characteristics to the beer. All right, so the overall impression of this category is a harmonious blend of the base beer style 
with characteristics aging in contact with the wood, including alcoholic products previously in contact with the wood. So again, these beers are going to be the base style. And I think it's important to understand that the base style needs to be there, right, John? You need to have this base style with some characteristics from the spirit that was in the barrel. Yeah. And I think that's what we've, it, need, it needs to be a barrel aged beer, not a, not you a, know, bourbon barrel liquid. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it says the best examples will be smooth, flavorful, and well balanced and well aged. So, again, there's some key characteristics that I think a lot of breweries need to pay attention to when they're doing their barrel aged uh, beers. Now, the aroma, it'll vary with the base style of the beer that you're putting in the barrel. There'll be a low to moderate wood or oak base aroma. It's usually there. Uh, other aromatics often include low to moderate vanilla, some caramel, some toffee, toast, or cocoa character, as well as some aromatics associated with a alcohol. That would be whatever distilled spirits or wine that's used in that barrel uh, that was previously stored and locked into that wood. The added alcohol character should be smooth and balanced and not hot. Again, key, you don't want to have this, you know, a distilled spirit beverage. You want to have it a beer with the characteristics that come from that, that spirit. Some background oxidation character is op- optional and can take a pleasant sherry-like character and not be papery or cardboard-like. So as the beer oxidizes in that barrel, and you already mentioned that, John, it's one of the things you got to worry about. The longer you keep the beer in the barrel to gain the characters you want, the more likely that you're going to be exposing that beer to oxidation. That could bring on some unpleasant uh, characteristics that would uh, not be good. Yeah, oxidation is kind of that double-edged sword. It can it can be nice, but it can also be be bad. So. Yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, John. So, how does the appearance of these beers uh, come across? All right, so the appearance uh, varies. <laughs> wow, imagine that. Um, so yeah, it's gonna your your coloring and that kind of thing is gonna be related to what your uh, starting beer is. Uh, but it's often darker than the unadulterated yeah. base beer style, particularly if whiskey and bourbon barrels are used. Yeah. So uh, beers aged in wine barrels or other products with distinctive colors may also impart a color to the finished beer. Yeah. Yeah, so. I, I've seen, um, I mean, the thing is, too, with these barrels, especially uh, whiskey and bourbon, right? Those barrels are, uh, are what, are they burnt or smoked or whatever? They, you know, they take a, you know. Yeah, they char them. They char them. Yeah, they're charred. That's, thank you for the word. And so when you char those barrels, of course, it's going to, you know, off, it's going to give you that color uh, change. So even if you put a lighter beer in there, it's going to come up a little bit darker than normal. And I, I've even seen where you put a beer into a wine barrel, and again, it it kind of draws out some of the the wine coloring from from it too. You know, it gives a little bit of a of a red tint, you know, that pink tint to it. I've seen some beers that that came out a little pinkish uh, after being in a wine barrel. Yeah, yeah, it can come in all sorts of styles. So uh, the flavor uh, it also varies with the style. Imagine that. Um, the wood usually contributes a woody flavor mm-hmm. or oaky, you know. I'm sorry, I that, that, that sentence was poorly <laughs> put together. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, 
Um, but other flavors that are typically present include vanilla from Vanilla in the Wood, caramel, butterscotch, toasted bread, or almonds from Toasted Wood, uh, coffee, chocolate, cocoa from Charred Wood or Bourbon Casks, and alcohol flavors from other products previously stored in the wood. Yeah. So all the same things that we got in our aroma. Yeah. Um, the wood and or other cast-derived flavors should be balanced, supportive, and noticeable, but should not overpower the base beer style. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, some background oxidation character is optional, although this should take on a pleasant sherry-like character and not be papery or cardboard-like. Yeah. 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 These are the things that I, I think that more breweries need to kind of just peruse this list and say, hey, you know what? Maybe I need to tone back that beer a little bit. It's a little bit too much. Uh, I mean, I, yeah, it's okay. All right. How about yeah, the I mouth? Think, oh, go ahead, John. I think that... Uh, goes to maybe keeping some back stock to blend back in yeah. if the the beer in the barrel takes on too much character. Yeah. So yeah, for sure. Now I mean I get okay, I'm sidetracking a little bit, but I, I don't have experience with blending and, and things. So if you had a base style, you put a portion of it in a barrel and you keep a portion of it just in a bright tank or whatever, somewhere to store it. Could you also take that portion that you keep out of the bourbon the spirited barrel and put it into just a regular barrel so you might take on some oaky flavors and then blend the oaky with the spirit to give you again a mellower flavor or would you just keep it in a bright tank and one in the barrel you can do any of that okay whatever your heart desires or whatever you're willing to manage okay so whatever you're looking for right if you want to have a more oaky flavor you might put all the beer in oak and in a few barrels in in uh, bourbon or whiskey and then you can blend yeah it, well in a, in a fresh oak right fresh oak, it, yeah fresh, I mean, that, that's what i mean that yeah. bourbon barrel is also oak but the, yeah. the bourbon's already stripped a lot of that out so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you you do that fresh fresh barrel which would not take much time to impart that into the beer okay um and then uh move it on so okay all right well let's get into the mouthfeel so again Everything that we've mentioned so far varies with the style. So depending on the style, you're going to take on the mouthfeel of that style, and it will vary with the base style. The wood can also add some tannins to the beer. It depends on the age of the cask. Uh, the tannins can lead to additional astringency, which should never be high. Again, you don't want to have that astringent puckering uh, uh, tannins. So that's not good. Or simply a fuller mouthfeel. Usually exhibits additional alcohol warming, um, higher alcohol levels should not result in hot beers. Aged, smooth flavors are most desirable. Again, you, I think that's in any beer, you don't want it hot. I mean, nothing's worse than having that hot alcohol uh, flavor. I think that's what I was tasting in that 9.8% Israeli beer, the one I, I got wrong earlier. I think it just came across way too hot. And, and you don't want to taste the alcohol when you're, you're drinking a, a big alcohol beer, especially one in a in a barrel um tart or acidic characteristics should be low to none all right a little history on this now traditionally this is not used in major breweries it's usually used in small craft breweries breweries that can you know have a smaller volume it can control this a lot easier um, quite popular with modern craft breweries looking for new distinctive products something that is different than the other breweries around the area are putting out something that they can make a name for themselves 
Uh, oak casts and barrels are traditional, although other woods can be used. Now that's interesting. So what other spirits, what, what spirits use different woods than oak? Is there, is there different uh, barrel types for spirits, John? Do you know? That's it's interesting. I know that you can put wood, like you can put cedar. I've had cedar beers. I've had cherry wood beers. Yeah, I think that this is more referring to that kind of stuff rather than other barrel, barrel? types. Okay. Because um, remember, this is intended as a, a homebrew guide. And yeah. it's a lot easier for us to just, as a, at a homebrew level, throw you know some wood chips into something. True. Uh, than a, a large, large. Although there there are wood products available to to do that with. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, yeah. So, I, I would think that's more what that's referring to. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, so characteristic ingredients uh, it varies mm. uh, with the base style. Um. And ancient wooden casts or barrels previously used to store alcohol, like whiskey, bourbon, port, sherry, Madeira, wine, etc. Mm. Uh, Fuller-bodied, higher-gravity base styles often are used since they can best stand up to the additional flavors, although experimentation is encouraged. Yeah. So that's basically saying don't ding somebody if they don't show up with a bourbon barrel beer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Um, vital statistics. Uh, ABV, it varies with the base style. Yeah, imagine Typically that. Above average, though. IBUs, uh, it varies with the base <laughs> style. Let's see my new tagline. Um, so, some commercial examples uh, Founders Kentucky Breakfast Stout. Yeah. Uh, the Goose Island Bourbon County Stout. Yeah. JW Lee's Harvest Ale in Port Sherry. Lager, uh, Lager, whiskey, wow. and Calvados cast. Have you had J.W. Lee's? I didn't even heard of J.W. Lee's. I have heard of it. I've never had it. Mm. Um, they are pricey. Oh, okay. Um, and the Lost Abbey Angel Share Ale. Wow. So there you go. Wow. So I hope to uh, soon add Trek Brewing uh, beer to that uh, commercial example. <laughs> Yeah, that, that would require that we distribute to a point that would make anybody's radar. So, I don't know. I mean, does J.W. Lee? I, I didn't even heard of J.W. Lee's. Is is that a major brewery? Do I need to search through this and find out what they do? I mean, you said they're pricey beers, but I never even heard of them before. Yeah, you can buy like twenty year old bottles of that stuff. Oh wow! Um, so I. Yeah, it's not something I've ever attempted to get my hands on. So all right, all right. Well, now I need to find this. Maybe Chris can hook us up with his uh, his leads for his wells, <laughs> his wells leads. Yeah. So we can get some JW Lee. That'd be great. All right. So there is our brew buzz segment on the barrel aging of beers in the guidelines for the BJCP and. Again, this is, uh, I mean, this is only for home brewing, for beer judging, but I think that for the most part, these, you know, most breweries, if they don't follow these guidelines, I think their beer is just not going to be pleasant. And for me, at least, it's not going to be pleasant. It's going to be just overbearing. Uh, and I'm so glad that I went against my 2017 resolution to not have any barrel aged beers because I was so burnt out with the ones that were just way over the top boozy and alcoholic 
And I actually tried some last year because I was very impressed with a lot of breweries that had some well-blended, flavorful, non-boozy versions of it. And again, I mentioned last show that Goose Island Bourbon County brand stout. This year's version is the best year I've had. And I've only had three years of it, but by far it was perfect. I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. The other years were way too boozy and just not enjoyable for me. So I think uh, everyone is moving towards that balance. You know, you want to have the balance. So that's good. Okay, John, guess what? We are running a little bit long, especially after we had to restart our recording because we weren't recording earlier. So let's get right into some uh, toast that we want to give. So who would you like to give a toast to tonight? Yeah, I'll raise my glass to uh, Russ and Katie. Had a great time at uh, question. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I appreciate you being real people. Okay. Um, okay. And I uh, also want to thank everybody that's going to come in on uh, Denny's Dime mm-hmm. and uh, enjoy a beer at Trek. So, of course. It's going to be great. Yeah. It's a good thing I have deep pockets. No problem. Yeah. No problem. Yeah. <laughs> How about you? <laughs> yeah. You know what? I want to th- just thank my buddy Alex. Uh, again, we got to spend a week together in Salt Lake City. Had a great time, drank some good beer, had some great laughs and conversation. Got to spend uh, last night together today, and uh, he's you know he's he'll be going back to Salt Lake for a week and then back to Israel. But we already have plans. We have plans to go to Portland because he'll be visiting Portland for work uh, every month or so. And on one of his trips to Portland, he's going to take an extra weekend and drive up to Seattle. And I'm going to meet him in Seattle and take him to all the great breweries in Seattle, starting with Rubens Brews. One of my favorites. In fact, my favorite one in Seattle. So I'm looking forward to all the great time. And, of course, he'll be joining me at Trek Brewing in June. So, like I said, John, prepare. Get your bouncers ready because we're going to wreck the place. Yeah. (laughs) Extra security. (laughs) All right. I also want to give a big old shout-out to Craft Beer Joe. Yes, Craft Beer Joe, he has a blog, and I have been enjoying what he has to write about for the last month when I found him. When he first started joining in on uh, our our podcast maybe a month and a half ago, I've been uh, checking out his blog, and he has some great articles. You can find those articles at craftbeerjoe.com. And some of them are, are related to the Ohio, Cincinnati area, but a lot of them are just general Good good reading craft beer articles that he does a really thorough and fantastic job explaining styles, explaining different things that are going on, history. Um, really good. So I want everyone to go visit craftbeerjoe.com. And one last shout out or cheers has to go to my daughter, Haley. She's, as I mentioned in the last show, you know, she started a full-time job. She's a teacher, fifth grade teacher and um she's you know teaching is not an easy profession um and she's been put through the trials and tribulations already in just two weeks that she's been working and uh, i just want to raise my glass to her for being strong not giving up uh you know she has rough days but she just gets back up and has a smile on her face and is really enjoying what she is doing and it makes me happy um and i just wish her the best success in uh, in her, her career. So cheers to you, Haley. And of course, 
Being a former serviceman, I want to raise my glass and thank all those who have served and are her current currently serving the U.S. military services, protecting our freedoms. Please come back safely to your families soon. And we have Hopcloth Apparel. Uh, I just want to raise a glass to Hopcloth Apparel for partnering up with us. I encourage our listeners to go visit their site at www.hopcloth.com and check out their creative beer clothing. And, of course, use the code TAPTHECRAFT, all one word, TAPTHECRAFT, at checkout to get free shipping. And you can find the beers and the links to the articles mentioned on the show in the show notes located on the show post at openforumradio.com. And if you'd like to follow us on social media, I can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and untapped at Loose Screw. And John, how can I also follow you? On Twitter at Prime Brewing, untapped Prime WA. And you can follow Trek Brewing on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Trek Brewing or visit the website trekbeer.com. All right. It's last call. Time to bring our show to a close. We want to thank you for downloading and listening to the show. We ask you to please tell a friend and, of course, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn, Google Play, or however you listen to your podcast. And remember, we release a new show every two weeks. Now go out there and spread the good word of craft beer. Cheers. Okay, sorry, John. We got to start over. Man, we were rolling too. I'm never gonna be able to repeat all that. <laughs> now I'm recording. I'm glad I caught it before we got too far in the show. It would have been really embarrassing. We went all the way through the whole show, and yeah. neither of us recorded. That's okay. Kristen was making a lot of noise over there. So now we can make sure we have clean recording as we start over. Uh, I'm sorry. I I apologize, though. I, hey, this is the first time. 98 episodes without a hitch. Damn, yeah, I can't believe I forgot to hit that record button. <laughs> I just wasn't sure if we were counting that as recording. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait, I'm not supposed to make jokes at your expense. Oh, but nobody knows that. Nobody so. knows that because uh, <laughs> it's lost. It's lost in the ether. Only the NSA can uh, re- you know get us that that back and say yeah. can you contact uh, our voicemail line 208 536 freedom of information request i need like the charlie brown teacher voice for you when you do this and now a little bit of history based on uh, on this whole thing. The traditional production method that is rarely used by major breweries and usually not, and usually only with specialty products. So I don't know what I just said. <laughs> <laughs> a traditional production method that is rarely used by major breweries. So I think they're talking about this the is a craft brewing AB and Bev type yeah, breweries. Yeah. Okay. So. All right, let me start that over. I'll start that over.